Good evening, and welcome to Cast Dice, a podcast that explores the intricacies of modern gaming. I guess some of the big uh, trends that are happening in tabletop and role-playing games, war games, that sort of thing, and games that I enjoy playing and games that my guests enjoy playing. Uh, my name is Brad, also known as Old Man Morn, and every episode I invite friends on from around the world to talk about gaming. Uh, now, if you have heard me podcast on other podcasts before, you will know my guest. Uh, he and I were founding members of the Ghost Army podcast. Uh, he has been on just about every podcast I think I've ever done, um, and uh, he's just a rad dude. Um now, I feel like Chuck Norris might want his beard back. And, you know, if I'm going to start talking about Optimus Prime riding around on the back of Grimlock, riding around on the back of a giant fire-breathing dragon, riding around on, you'll know what I'm talking about. And while I'm doing this introduction, he probably painted another entire army. With that introduction, it can only be one man. Patch. Welcome to Cast Dice. Hello, Brad. <laughs> I did, uh, so deadpan. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> how, can, how can I change? It's, it's what we've been doing now for like four years or so. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, now, I had Seamus on the last episode of Cast mm, Dice. Good episode. Yeah, oh, I thank you, it. man. I enjoyed doing it. It was great just to sit down and talk shop. And um, as I as we have talked about before, um, you have a standing invitation for this podcast. And so we thought we'd flip on the mic and have a chat and um, maybe borrow last week's soapbox uh, a little bit. Um, but maybe just just talk about a lot of things about bolt action gaming and just, you know, yeah. having fun. Um, now, you played in CanCon this last weekend, the South uh, Southern Hemisphere's largest bolt action event. Um, why don't you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about this? Now, you tell us what you did to make CanCon interesting this year, because we talked about it on the Ghost Army podcast, but we did. not on we Cast did. Dice. So, so just to, I, I feel like I'm over talking. I'm going to stop talking in about five seconds. But so, as I said, CanCon is the largest event in the Southern Hemisphere, and there was a trend. I mean, Australia tends to have softer lists than perhaps more international metas. Um, we tend to play more fluffy games, but there was a trend where people were starting to take more aggressive things. Now, you um, and Andrew Brownrigg had a really interesting way of sort of, un uh, how do I say, detuning the arms race. Um, I'm going to stop talking. Please tell us what you did, because it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Look, um... It was it was not just myself, but um, a couple of us sort of got together uh, as we did start to see a little bit of a trend um, starting to emerge in what always has been a relatively balanced and um, fun community here in Australia in regards to bolt action, and it kind of kicked off, you know, around around the um uh, around the, the the version two coming out, and then as as people I guess started to explore things around the version two rules, the mm -hmm. new German rule book, the inclusion of things like Tiger Fear, we started to see a bit of a trend where where lists 
started to be narrowing in regards to the diversity that we were seeing. Mm. Um, you know, so we started to see a lot of, we've always seen a lot of veteran listen events, right? You know, but, right. but we started to see a lot of them focused around, you know, German late war and British late war and, and it, and it kind of stopped being fun for me, man, because, mm. you know, you know me and I love my early war armies. I love diversity more than anything else when it comes to playing. And, and I found myself standing there, you know, playing like the 12th late war German army in a row or, you know, within mm-hmm. relatively short periods of other armies within there. But, you know, it felt like I had just paid 12 German late war German armies that were very samey mm-hmm. in a row. And um, I, I, I compared notes with, with some some mates and and they had the same feeling, you know, and we kind of went, this is this is not going the way that we want it to go within the community. And, and it was starting to go to that pointy sort of a, a little bit of a competitive edge where we felt people were um, – we, we felt it was a bit of an arms race commencing. And there's only one – inevitable conclusion to that sort of an arms race and and that's where you turn up to an event and and pretty much you're playing chess right you can play white or black because yeah, <laughs> that's the exactly. diversity you're going to see um in that everything is just going to look so samey and, and and which is absolutely counter to what i see bold action being um which is a whole you know which is a a, a reasonably well balanced game where you can take all sorts of lists and be competitive in a in an event type scenario um so yeah, we 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 as I guess you can call us kind of community influencers. Um, you know, podcasters. We write articles. We mm-hmm. have a relatively high profile on on the Australian scene um, in regards to you know the East Coast, uh, New South Wales, ACT sort of Melbourne scene, I guess. And um, so a few of us got together and decided that we're going to create a positive influence on the community rather than participate in an arms race, um, and, and we're going to. Just see if we can use our influence um, to kind of drop down a gear or two and uh, and get back to those sort of lists where you, you know the first thing you think about is not how competitive it's going to be. The first thing you think about is I want to run that list. You know, I want to yeah. try something. I want to do this, and knowing that you're not just going to be steamrolled in the you know the whole event. Um, so we wanted to get that feeling and, uh, you know, I think it's been there before and it's gone in waves, but we thought, let's get it back and let's create something that's, um, that's a fun thing. You know, let's, let's create something that people can aim towards. So we, so we come up with a, you know, a little bit of peer pressure about running early war. And we did this by, you know, I put my hand up and said, I'm going to run early war French and it's going to be inexperienced. And, and of course people go, that's going to be rubbish. And, and, you know, um, but I said, I'm going to make this work. And so I did some listing and, and I, I came up with a relatively fun, but, um, you know, list that I thought was going to do okay. And, and then other people started to join me and they started to commit to running early war armies. And then we started to have, you know, French, a French crew get together and all of a sudden we become mm-hmm. team de Gaulle. Yes. And we're like, well, 
who wants to, uh, you know, we're going to run a team to goal, a French thing here. Who wants to, to step up? And then all of a sudden, Andrew and other people started to step up and go, well, we're Team Rommel. And then all of a sudden, there was Team Peasants and Workers. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a, there, there was a whole bunch of um, Team Monty. And, you know, things started to happen. And what we created was this kind of something that was bigger than the individual. It was about more, you know, a fun thing where you can take these fun early war armies and still being involved in this kind of, you know, no one kind of cared that much about who was going to win the event. It was about what team could be the best. And, you know, when you're running, I think we end up having seven French lists out of 60. Awesome. Which is which is a pretty big deal, mate, for a minor nation and, and traditionally a, an army that is, is very underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Um, there were seven of us. And we talked it up and we we smack talked in a really positive, fun way. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and and yeah, so we turned up to the event. We had, you know, De Gaulle T-shirts and and you know all this type of stuff. And 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 we created like you know, you get a bond through through kind of belonging to something. Mm-hmm. And and we you know the French players bonded in our in our desire to 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 turn back the German horde. And and all of a sudden you had like um, a little Facebook page devoted to the French team. And then the Germans did it. And as I found out afterwards, you know the Germans had created a page. A lot of new new German players where they were mentoring each other and they were talking about, you know, good ways to run their German units and, and it was all about just trying to defeat the French. And um but it was in such a good natured way. And and, and at the at the CanCon event, you know, we've all turned up and, and the TO got right on board, you know, and he, he set out some criteria about who could win the events and mm-hmm. we, we sort of did some grudges first round, so Germans were playing uh French and and um, just consistently, people were coming up, going, "Guys, I've really loved the lead up to this event. It had such a buzz to it. There was mm-hmm. something really that captured our imaginations, and and we just can't, couldn't wait to get here. You've, you know, you've created a such a great thing, and it, and none of it was about who was going to have the best, most smashing list. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all about just his having fun and, and a bit of talk. And you know, we kept the we kept the smack talk and the the digs at each other really well natured and friendly mm-hmm. um you know so it was done right it wasn't no one had hurt feelings no one felt like they were being bullied it was all done out of fun and, and we all recognized what the limits there were and, and we kept within the left and rights of arc um <laughs> yeah. and again at the end, end of the event everyone was just so happy with how had it, it had come across right and what we created was an event where, where most if not everyone just had a complete ball um, and when you get 60 players turning up to an event like that with such a positive vibe, um, you know, we, we sort of sat back at the end of the day and went, you know, I, I think we did well here. I think we did right. We got it right. Um, and it's created something that is, is going to have some legacy there as well. So now immediately, the, the, I think the night, the Saturday night, people are on there talking about what team they're going to belong to next CanCon. Awesome. You know, so, and here we are 12 months out from it and everybody's, you know, started the talk already about, you know, which team they're going to get on board. So, so, so I guess what I wanted to, you know, get across is, is how positive influence can, it can affect the community. Um, yeah. And we probably should talk about that. And then what, what I guess a negative influence in regards to gaming looks like as well. Yeah. Um, um, there's, there's been some news out of some big U S events that we can talk about as well. Um, yeah. for 40 K and whatnot. 
um, because it, it really has hit the social media and a lot of opinions on that. But just to quickly mm-hmm. go back to what you were saying, when you guys set it up, um, and you you mentioned that the TO um, acknowledged at the beginning that this was happening, um, but there yep. weren't. It wasn't like you guys were playing for sheep stations um, for those international no. listeners. It wasn't like it was. Um, there wasn't a great. There was literally no trophy for this. Um, it, it was pride. Yeah, it's pride, bragging rights, and um, the winner got to change the background um, on the the Facebook page for a couple of months. Is that right? That that's right. So that was kind of the. Um... That was the the winning the winning team would get to yeah change the banner on the Australian Facebook page, fantastic um, for three months. You know, look, there's no as I said, there's no sheep stations, and it's all about pride. And we can walk away and go, hey, we you know we've got French. We're going to have a, a series at the end of the event. Um, and I probably should tell the listeners that, by the way, the French one. I was about to um, say you should probably talk yeah, about the standings. We, we we should talk about that, but but we lined up, you know, seven miniatures with a little De Gaulle miniature between this little um, Arc de Triumph, mm-hmm. and uh, we took a photo of it. Brian took a photo, and that's going to be the Facebook uh, profile picture for a while. Um, yeah, awesome. let's talk about the event, Brad. Well, well hold on, let's so. It should be said that this was a normally run event um, slash a mm. tournament, depending on how you want to look at it. But it was it was an event, um, 60 players. People had open run to play just about any kind of list they wanted to. Um, I mean, Peter... Yeah, there were some restrictions. No tank platoons. That's all right. Um, and yeah, no that tank was, platoons, yeah. And um, was there something about the Panzer IV? Like if you... Yes. Yeah, you had to take a veteran Panzer IV, is that right? If you wanted Tiger Fear? Yeah. That, that's correct. So, so Peter West and, and um, Peter West and the other TOs, James, and that had made a, a decision, um, kind of, you know, in the in the, sh- if you like, in the shadows. But it had just come out in the players' pack, which had been out for some time, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people had kind of not realised it. But they had made a, a ruling on Tiger Fear, um, and it was it was not available to regular Panzer Fours, only veteran. Now that's a kind of a. I actually thought it was a, a real genius move, and and of course it creates division out there. Mm-hmm. It naturally does. Whenever your alter rules is written, people get upset, particularly German players who like to run pans at regular pans of fours to take advantage of the tiger fear. You know they're missing out. Um, all I can say is it's a shit rule, um, and I hate it. So <laughs> you really feel? <laughs> I actually, I I would, you know, more than happily endorse that. It, it wasn't my influence that 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 made them do it. They felt that this was necessary um, to balance some listing out because yeah. we had seen a significant amount of German lists with a Panzer IV. And it was like the the German army in World War II only started when that Panzer IV H came in <laughs> and there was no other vehicle available to them ever. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. were to look at the bolt action a bolt action event and look at German lists, you know, because it's a it's a shit rule that's been written terribly and it and it kind of pigeonholes a German player if they want to be efficient into running regular Panzer fours, you know. So yeah. um, I, I guess you know that's my feelings on the rule. Well, um, let let me put my two cents in because I know I've said this when the game first came out on other podcasts, but it's never been said on Cast Dice, and I know there's a lot of new listeners. So um, I happen to be um, my first bolt action love was Germans, um, and I mm. play Germans for years. I own at the moment literally three German armies, um, all of which are for bolt action, and all of which have Conflict Forty Seven editions. Um, I've run all three of them separately. 
Um, one is sort of an, a, a catch-all generic German list that sort of works for the entire war. Um, a little funny if you're looking at Blitzkrieg, but I've run it that way. Um, there mm. is a late war, a winter, sorry, Battle of the Bulge army, and then there's my DAC, which is categorically on the mm. early side of the desert as well. Quite, now, quite well painted as well. Well, <clears throat> I may have had friend, <laughs> had uh, help with the infantry. Thanks, Patch. <clears throat> it, it is actually beautiful, uh, if I may. Uh, <sighs> Patch, so for those who haven't who have marveled at quite a few of my armies on Facebook and have sent me messages saying, wow, that's beautiful, um, Patch has painted uh, my DAC, Patch has painted my Japanese, Pat's painted my Chinese, um, Patch painted, uh, and there's at least one more. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. for bolt action. Um, thank you for helping me get through my master's patch, because um, <laughs> I paint ve- I painting vehicles is the only thing I could do when I was trying to work and do my master's. And thanks to patch. But to go back to what I was saying, um, so I like Tiger Fear because I ran big cats and I ran them throughout version one. Um, my first ever bolt action event that I ran. Um, I ran a tiger, um, one and it was hilarious and it was amazing. Um, but it was not good. Um, and I mean, big cats were never going to be taken seriously. And one of my favorite tanks is the one that you, again, you painted for me, ta- uh, patch, which is the Sturm tiger, which I love taking. Yep. Um, again, not a quote unquote competitive choice, but I love playing bolt action and I like taking goofy things. Um, and if you're paying that many points for one tank, uh, even if its gun is the biggest gun on, on the in the game, you're going to hit maybe twice in a game if you're lucky before it gets pinned out. Um, anyway, yep. Tiger Fear made those vehicles, even the Panther, which I have several of and love, it made them usable. Um, it made them, it made me not feel ridiculous for putting them on the table. Now, the template rules, um, switching from HE to templates in version two, definitely helped as well. I really feel like the big cats are absolutely feasible choices. Um, no, they're not terribly quote unquote points efficient, but they are legitimate game choices now, especially with Tiger Fear yes. and with the new Hitler's Buzzsaw and with the templates. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think I understand historically why the Panzer IV has it, the late war version of it. There's no argument about it. Yeah. You know, it's it's sure I, I get the historical argument. What I, what yeah. I talk about is game balance. Yeah, it it is not pointed. Um, it, it, it the big cats just caught so many points that it gives you a reason to take them. Um, now I've had several people say, well, the Russians don't get that. Um, yeah, but the Russians don't need it. And arguably now in the second edition German book, they don't necessarily need it either. I mean, but the IS-2 is sensational. Um, if you're going to talk about the most inefficient point tank in the game, it's the IS-3. I have one painted. I love it. Um, 600 points. Ridiculous. Mm. Um, but if... I, I don't... I like Tiger Fear. I just think there's too much of it, and I think there's too much of it because everyone's right. running... The Panzer IV, which shouldn't have it. Anyway. 
Look, the, what, where it comes down to, mate, is is that I think it, the Tiger fear was responsible for the way the community was kind of going. And I, and I say this and I explain this yeah. in the sense that it's it's too cheap a buy-in. Um, of course, when a German player looks at it, they're kind of mad. If they don't, they go, oh, gee, if I pay 240 points, I get Tiger fear. Well, I might as well get Tiger fear, right? You know, and, and but then why would I spend an extra 150-odd points and get a Panther? I'll just get a Panzer four. And so all of a sudden, everyone starts to get a Panzer four and, and and then that kind of affects the other lists around it because the, in order to get a Panzer 4H, you're effectively taking a late war force. And then people start going, well, I can add some Panzer Faust. And, and then people, yeah. other players go, well, all I'm doing is facing, you know, late war Panzer 4 hardcore German army. So I better take a late war, late war army, which has got lots of AT. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it becomes this kind of arms race, right? So, so where I completely disagree with, with um, the buy-in level for Panzer 4 is that it's, it creates um, a lack of diversity in an army which is known for its diversity. I mean, how many yes. amazing vehicles do the Germans have and are available in bolt action? And if, if the rules writers had, had done some, some probably, you know, uh, thinking forward, they would have realized that they've just cancelled out every other vehicle in the German fleet. Uh, to, and, and given really a singular option, except for those players who like to be a bit fluffy, you know, or, or yeah. who can't afford to buy a Panzer IV. But effectively, what we're seeing was every German force just about with a Panzer IV. So that's my issue. Yeah. Uh, and I would say the same thing about the, you know, I've always hated the British Free Forward Observer because it's a no brainer and it's always there and it's so samey. It's, you know, give give players a bit of credit to, to choose, swap and choose things. But. Yeah. Hold anyway, on, if so, I if so I can I make guess, a quick yeah. point to go with what you're saying, mm. I'm looking at my case, and while you were saying talking, I literally counted. I have 27 fully painted uh, German vehicles ready to go in my case, looking at me right now, and not one of them is a Panzer IV. And every mm. single one of those I've used in a game, bar I think one of my um, anti uh, tank destroyers and every single one of them has been effective every single one of them's been awesome and no not all, not all of them are quote unquote point efficient but man there is a lot of really effective really fun wacky choices in that list um that you can take and uh, you want to talk about a list that as you were saying has so much diversity the germans have more vehicles than anyone uh i think uh, yeah. by a country mile and yeah. it, it was a shame that we were seeing the narrowing of choice down to one tank because of one rule um and and that's, I, so, and that was my yeah, issue but i didn't you know as i said i had no influence in that in what in what the tos did but yeah. I absolutely endorsed it when they did. They they still totally. made it available to people. You just had to pay an extra 40-odd points for it, um, which meant that only those who really wanted to would get it. You know, not many people, not many players, particularly if they're, they're the... Um, you know, they're looking to, to create efficiencies in their list with the effectiveness in mind, mm-hmm. you know, will dedicate that extra 40-odd or whatever, 50 points, you know, to, to upgrade it to veterans. So what it did, the end result, we didn't see too many Panzer fours, you know, or nearly as many as what we, we would normally see at CanCon. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those Panzer fours, I don't know if, if any of them were upgraded. And before anyone sort of jumps up and down, like I'm sure there's a few people on the keyboards and, and getting cranky at me about the, about my views on it, and, and good for you, um, I personally um, can deal with it. You know, my list that I had, it was built with Tiger Fear in mind, so I was more than happy to face it. Um 
and I had only played a, a, a trial game a week before CanCon where I faced a veteran Panzer four and, and, and I tabled poor Adam in four turns. You know, so it's not a it's not a problem, but um, I, I just didn't like what it was doing to to the community, if you like. Yeah, but so, but I think that was that the only restriction that was put in for CanCon this year. I believe. Uh, look, no, yeah, look, that was kind of it. You know, no tank platoons. Yeah, no tank platoons. Yeah, but, yeah, he generally he generally runs a you know, and and let's, I mean, we can talk about talk about this very quickly and and whilst you know we 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 speak about it being such a positive event you know there's still it's still a swiss system and and there's still a you know top general at the end of the day mm-hmm. um so people do look at their list and they do want to take um competitive lists but at least with our with our positive influence on this this kind of event people are able to take their list and still be competitive if it right. even if it wasn't um what do you call it? You know, it wasn't optimized. Right. Yeah. And, and what I yep. really liked was, and what I saw a lot of on Facebook, and I think it had largely to do with what you guys were talking about uh, online as far as having the teams, was that mm. once a couple of the team members started posting their armies, be it posting yep. their army lists or posting the actual the army itself and then describing what was in it. And so mm. sometimes with events you see like secret squirrel business, like I'm going to put down, I'm not going to tell anyone what yeah. my army is in advance and I'm going to sneak attack people and it's going to be great. And you go, well, does anyone really care? I mean, maybe at the master's events and even then, why would you go? Um, because I've never had a good time at a master's and man, I, I've tried, um, it, you just go and you, you start, you just play and you have a good time, but people were posting their armies and they were, it was oh, really upfront. Yeah. And people, yep. but there was a great discussion about, Oh, why did you take that? And a lot of the listing and the stuff that people put in the thought was historically based, which is great. Um, I love it. I personally, I think that's awesome. Um, and that's where I shoot for. Um, but I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, but people were just putting their lists out, talking about it. And it wasn't just efficiency max. I mean, people were synergizing. I mean, the the units within armies were synergizing with what tactics people kind of had. And in my personal opinion, it was amazing because people were tying it to actual, you know, historical... Um, configurations and they were playing them like they were played in real life now you don't have to play that i mean i understand that's there's a certain level of neckbeard there that makes me very happy but doesn't make everyone happy but people were taking fun lists and you know it Mm. wasn't same samey boring crap in every list it was so diverse i'll I'll talk to you about please i I think let's talk about i'll put up front so i'll tell you the the armies that i faced and then i'll mm. talk about my list yeah you know i faced a, a a late war um u.s army in the first game with a jumbo um i, I faced a, awesome. a german a, a late war german force with with two half tracks um a panzer four and a, and a puma uh then i faced a an australian list um from the australian new australian um new guinea book um uh, and then i faced on the next day a second australian list but using the commonwealth forces oh nice uh, the commonwealth rules and then for the very last game i faced a um 
a French list built around the you know French Foreign Legion in the desert. So if that wants to give you a bit of an explanation about you know out of five games I played one German force and you know that that's such a diverse and and, and eclectic mix of forces that that you don't see um, a lot if it, you wouldn't have seen those types of forces in a um in a more competitive environment because right. people would have been a lot more, you know, focused on efficiencies. So Hold on. if I can quickly, list. if I can quickly just talk about one tiny thing and we'll come back to your list um, or to what you're saying. So mm. um, a, a lot of events in different countries, you tend to see armies from the country that you live in. It, it's like a national pride thing in the U S you see tons of American players and a lot of events um, in the UK. You tend to see a lot of British players, um, it's just a trend that we've noticed across several podcasts in several different countries. Um, now, it's very interesting to see two Australian players. Now, the new Papua yeah. New Guinea book has given us some new lists. Um, Warlord has put out mm. some sensational models. So is Eureka Miniatures. Um, and so, I mean, it, it with good reason, we're seeing Australian players now. But yes. that said, traditionally in Australia, we saw more British players. Um, would you agree with that? I mean, we tended to see yeah, a lot of absolutely. things, but there was always sort of that favoritism there. So it was really yeah. nice to see new armies and you see a new nation out there. Sorry, go ahead. Would That's you right. agree yeah. with that? So, so we might've only had, you know, three or four Australian lists, but there were 60, mm. 60 players at CanCon and, and it's great to see. I mean, the British are always traditionally going to be the, the bulk of the armies there, you know, the biggest faction, I think, yeah. and then Germany, but, um, we're starting to see a lot more factions popping up. But anyway, let's so so I'll talk about my list. And I Please. was I was like one of those players who was exceptionally transparent about what I was taking, like really far in advance. I had locked in a list and and I let everyone know about it. And um, funnily enough, I, I think my list terrified people the most. Um, it was awesome. And, and I, I and I kinda talked it up a little bit in a really fun way. Um, but I took a, a list that is just not seen. It's just not, you know. Um, I have rarely come across someone taking a list like mine. I certainly haven't played against one. I think the closest I can I can um, relate it to is probably Steve Drury's Chinese. Yeah. Um, but the, the French that, that I took was based on like a, res, a, a reserve B division um, militia type force and it had... So I'll go from the top, and it's very important. Um, this this list um, synergized exceptionally well, and, and I practiced with it first, but it, it was led by a captain. Um, and again, you don't see captains. Nope. So I had an inexperienced captain, um, and then he had two inexperienced first lieutenants working for him, and they were leading a platoon each. Now, all up, I had seven 12-man infantry squads. Awesome. Right? That's 11 rifles and a pistol. That's the maximum I could take. So it's very important to remember that um, that's a full squad. According to version 2 rules, they get to re-roll morale checks until they take a casualty. Yeah. Um, it's very important to remember that I get to do that coming onto the table from reserve or flanking as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had... So out of that list, so the... the, the French rules, you know, everyone kind of hacks on the French, oh, artillery, artillery, and, and they get their free infantry unit, uh, French suck. But 
you've got to pay for three squads of inexperienced troops before you get the free one. So bugger right. you, Russians, with your every Russian list has a 12-man inexperienced squad. You know, like it's just a no-brainer and it, it just looks stupid half the time. You know, a full yeah. veteran force and this random 12-man inexperienced squad. However, I've got to pay for three full squads of Frenchmen before I can even, you know, get that free one. So it's a buy-in to get it. Um, so you don't see it very often. So I paid for six and I got one free. And then you do get the option of getting up to a regular medium howitzer or a regular AT gun, mm-hmm. a medium AT gun. Um, I, however, took a inexperienced light howitzer because um, the other two guns that I took were, were inexperienced light howitzers. So for me, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a 35-point it's a unit as opposed to a 75-point unit that I could have got. Um, but it, it makes sense to have a battery of three light howitzers, right? You mm-hmm. know, um, rather than two lights and a medium. Um, so I had three light howitzers, and then I had a medium mortar, inexperienced medium mortar. Mm-hmm. I had two regular FT-17s. Jeez. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, surprisingly, man, they were just unbelievably effective. And I had two regular snipers for for all up. And they were the only reason I took regular snipers was because I could not get them inexperienced. Yeah. It was just not an option that was available to me. Otherwise, I would have taken it. Um, however, so I put them – that was an 18-order dice list. And – People were kind of going, oh, that's pretty cheesy. Like, I, I just don't understand what this definition of cheesy is. I mean, it's a freaking inexperienced list. What's cheesy about it? Or the artillery. It's it's three light howitzers and a yeah. medium water. <laughs> you know, if you want to talk cheesy, talk fucking, excuse me, um, talk uh, four heavy howitzers. So let's, you know, yeah, put it into context here. Um, so anyway, people were a little bit, little bit concerned about it because if you rock up with an eight dice veteran heavy list and i've got 18 dice it's 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 already you know that that large disparity Mm -hmm. um and you know one of the players as soon as i've turned up he's gone well i've lost i haven't even rolled a dice yet and and he's telling me he'd lost because he looked at my dice and my list and i'm like well dude you know (laughs) it's all fair and fair let's roll um and he did lose but you know it's it's just a it was it just synergized really well um and it was kind of a list that was designed to counter that meta that was appearing mm-hmm. um, of, of your, your late war stuff. And um, I actually think most of the, you know, players that I played against got a real, you know, they had a real good time playing it because it was different. Um, I ended up going, you know, four wins and uh, a draw in the final game and um, came – second overall out of go. out of 60 players so i actually equaled points with the first player but on account back he, he just pit me like by a hair's breadth um so with that inexperienced list you know you can you can talk about meta it kind of goes against it doesn't it it does it yeah. definitely does uh, there's a lot of things i want to talk about with that list first of all i have a question for you the ft-17s what were in the turrets yes. because you can take machine guns just, or ats just a, yep just a medium machine gun that's what i thought so you were facing lists from all over, all over era-wise of the war and theater-wise yes. from all over the place. So my question is, looking at your list, mm-hmm. how much inexperience you have, what tools you've put in your um, toolbox, so to speak, how are you dealing with armor? Because I knew that was one of the yep. things you uh, that people were talking about with your list before the, mm. the, the tournament happened. And then you almost came first. 
Yep, yep. So um, I had no AT, no dedicated AT. No. My only AT weapons were um, the three light howitzers and the, and the medium mortar. Um, look, for the most part, you know, the very first game I played, I played Amph, and he had a jumbo, and it was a veteran. I couldn't even pin it. You know, right? <laughs> it was just like there was no ability. Like he just he just shrugged off because I couldn't penetrate his armor. The most, the most my light howitzers and medium mortar can penetrate is 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 a um is eight top armor. I, I can't, and he had nine top armor, so mm-hmm. I wasn't even any point shooting at it. So I just ignored it. Um, just didn't even worry about it. And and in the end of the game, he had one unit left in turn six, and it was the jumbo. What's it going to do? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it can't win the game by itself. Uh, so, look, for the most part, I, I just ignored um, ignored heavy armor. Um, but I didn't come across a lot of heavy armor. You know, I, I think the jumbo was the biggest. And then I, I did pay, face a Panzer IV, a couple of Stuarts, a Matilda. Um, and that was kind of the heaviest tanks I had. So, yeah. you know, I didn't feel like I was undergunned. I felt, you know, and I and I was able to to d- put enough hits on those vehicles, like where I could actually take them, make them combat ineffective. Like, you know, if I get two two hits on a Panzer IV, uh, and I do it do four or five pins on it, guess what? It's it's going to spend a couple of turns just trying to get its act together before it can really affect anything. And if you can take a such a main a main weapon out of a, an opponent's arsenal for two turns, you pretty much put them on the back foot. Um, so I never really was worried about, um, destroying them right. at all. Uh, I was more, you know, use the, I had enough howitzers to kind of, you know, devote maybe one or two to, to a tank to try and pin it. Mm-hmm. And the rest were just concentrating on infantry targets. So yeah, I, I just, I just don't think, you know, you need to, to, de- to dedicate too much. I mean, my feeling on AT guns is they're all but useless, <laughs> um, and I say that having taken quite a bit in previous games where, you know, you're generally rolling a five or a six to hit it in the start. It's mm-hmm. a direct fire and cover and various other things and, and range. And then you're generally needing a five or six to penetrate it. And then you're having to roll even if you do penetrate, you're having to roll on the table. And, you know, so effectively you've got to roll exceptionally well three times in a row to, to kill a tank. Yes, um so I just figured, well, you know what? If if I take a howitzer, I only have to roll well once, yeah. And then I'm I'm doing pins to you, and and that and the pins can be just as devastating as destroying the tank. Um, so I'm not too, yeah. I, I don't think we should focus uh, in my listing. I don't worry about AT to a great extent. Yeah, I I, I I it. I played a few CanCon warm up games with some friends, as discussed in the last episode. One of them was against Lee Avery's um, veteran mm. paratroopers, British paratroopers, gorgeous army. Um, but um, I, I, I guess in retrospect, he's a bad example because um, he didn't have tanks. He, now that I think about it, he had nothing but mm. jeeps. But um, I ran. I had a T twenty. Six, the small Soviet tank with a light AT gun um, and a coax machine gun that you can't fire at the same time. And that thing just bullied its way around the board, and he largely ignored it. Um, he had the AT assets, yep. but um, it, it was able... I mean, it's funny how, depending on how you play with the tank, it can either 
I, I, I love a big tank, but little tanks are surprisingly effective. Um, now, oh, yes, in bolt action, absolutely. especially early war tanks with all the machine guns are great against infantry. Duh, we know this. Um, it's an infantry game. But um, that the tank I was running, I, I wasn't. Um, I mean, it was a tiny. It was a tankette. It had armor seven. It had one light AT gun and a machine gun that was a, you could fire one of the other weapon system. And I bullied my way through its list with that. Um, and then in other games, um, that little tank has you know I've I've put out Shermans with it. Uh, I've pinned out uh, a big Soviet um, IS one five two. Like it, it's just a fun, great little tank. But I normally would ignore it. Um, and I think all you need is a plan and not even necessarily yeah. quote unquote tools, but um, to have some tools in front of you and to be it's it's a nice challenge, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, to be forced mm. into using what you have to solve a situation that you wouldn't normally, you know, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable if I had bigger guns um, and that that comfort might breed complacency and I may not play my best, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, you know, um, those two little FT-17s that I spoke about in my yeah. list, these, you know, combined total of 70 points for two of them, um, they're very small and they love cover, right? What I found was was I'd just stick them out. Like, you know, you stick your chin out and go, come on, hit me, mate. Mm-hmm. And um, and people couldn't help themselves. They, they would see armor. And they felt the need to destroy it yeah. with armor, you know. So, so they'd have their tank, and they'd be so focused on on hitting that FT seventeen that they'd ignore my high, you know, the units that were actually doing the damage, um, like the infantry squads. They would they would go, no, I'm going to shoot a shoot at that FT seventeen. I'm like, oh, okay, mate, you know, it's it's uh, it's in cover. You, you'll be needing fives to hit it, and inevitably they weren't hitting it. And even if they were hitting it, you know. Like they still needed to roll a three or something to penetrate it with their light AT guns, or mm-hmm. like it, it. It was just I only had three of them destroyed in the entire event, but they got shot at a lot. But what they did was was they were the hey, look at me, I'm over here, check me out, I'm going to hurt you because yeah. I'm a little tank, and they would focus fire on it um, with their big assets, and and would leave my other more vulnerable units free to to pretty much do what they wanted to do. Um, but like the, I, I guess so. The synergy. If I'd like to talk about the synergy of the list, and, right. I, and I think the reason why it went well um, is my officer bubbles to start with. Now I, I just talk to people and say, captains are there to be used. Use them. You know they're so good. Yeah. And like when you've got a twelve inch um, range on that plus three morale, mm-hmm. guess what inexperience are moving at, mate. You know, to pass their test, they're, they're veterans to, to pass a morale test yeah. with a pin. You know, um, they are passing their test, and and when you've got such a big bubble, you, you don't care, right? You you know, normally you put a pin on an inexperienced unit, and you're rolling sevens to activate it. Well, with my captain, I'm I'm rolling tens, and I'm passing nearly all of those tests. Um, and then when I had my redundancy in the list, I had two first lieutenants. Uh, and, and they were able to provide cover to the units that were outside the captain's bubble. Um, then I used Snap 2 a lot. 
I was going to say, and how much did you use it? So can you talk about that? Almost every turn. Okay. Yeah, almost every turn across five games, I used Snap 2. The reason was I needed to get through my dice as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And I found with three dice from the bag, I could activate 10 units. Um, So it was a matter of just, yep, Snap 2. Pretty much the first thing I would do every turn was I'd I'd use my captain to Snap 2. He he quite often, a lot of the games, would be placed with my artillery battery. Mm -hmm. And he could fire off. I'd be firing off three howitzers the very first turn every turn you know if i got the dice um and then my first lieutenants would they could activate two other units and they were you know doing things like um oh look i've got two 12-man infantry squads facing your six-man vet squad uh and my lieutenants close by i'll grab snap two thanks and i'll grab two more dice and i'm going to activate both those units at the same time Mm -hmm. and now that that six-man veteran unit is going to get you know 22 shots at it yeah you know it's chances are even though they're inexperienced and they start on fours they might be hitting on fives i'm going to do enough so that when you your your turn comes out you're going to be down to three men and two pins you know um it was using that and just sort of um one you know activating one unit you could do okay but activating two units was really good so i used my officers a lot to snap two um with the the sniper teams the regular sniper teams they were really good because they provided a a protective bubble around my captain Mm -hmm. because i knew that he was going to be the very first priority target for any enemy snipers so i had this counter sniper um set up and and they were just their main focus at the start of every game was to take out any enemy sniper um, and generally, you know, I may see one sniper. I didn't see any. Uh, I, I saw one guy, one of my opponents brought two snipers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to win the sniper battle in most games. And then they were free to pretty much just harass units and add pins and take out little bits and pieces. And and they really affected people's deployment against me when they'd see I had two snipers. And, mm-hmm. and they were great units. Um, and with the inexperienced squads... Again, people are like inexperienced. They're so shit, but they're not. You know, when you've got good morale bubbles, you've got big squads, so you're re-rolling. I never failed. Oh, no, sorry, I failed once to bring an inexperienced squad on in reserve or flank. Yeah, that re-roll just came, is massive. Um, and, and they came on at exceptionally important times, uh, and, and they were able to really just um, cause havoc because – no matter who I faced, I always had one more unit to throw at them. Um, and we had this, we had the, uh, oh, what was it called? You know, the surrounded mission. And yes. my opponent, um, it was a great game. We just had the best game. But my opponent, um, being British, he goes, oh, I'd like you to defend. He won the role and he goes, oh, I would like you to defend patch. And I said, oh, okay, mate, no worries. And, mm-hmm. you know, I placed half my units being, you know, nine units <laughs> in the yeah. middle. And um, he's kind of looked at it going, oh, gee, okay. You know, his he's, um, uh, bombardment went off and he gets to roll two dice because he's British. Mm-hmm. And he never, he didn't, you know, do much with it because immediately that first turn I had an officer there. They were able to use their their um modifier to help my teams rally and i was i was free of pins by by you know the the end of turn one so it didn't really have a big effect he brought his sort of units on his side and and as you'd be aware we're surrounded he who gets the first dice gets to bring mm-hmm. on from any table edge and um his eyes lit up because he got the first dice in turn two and his eyes lit up because he had a unit within assault range of one of my light howitzers and he chose that 
And I've sort of, I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, really? Really? Are you going to do that? Like, I hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he did it, and he took out the light howitzer, and then I pulled out the very next dice. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I'm going to bring a unit on from reserve, and it's going to come on from your table edge. And he's like, looked at me and gone, oh, no. Because as soon as you come on from a table edge, you own it, right? Um, so I subsequently brought on seven infantry units, on his table edge, mm-hmm. and in turn two, I wiped out two light howitzers. Um, what else did I wipe out? Two light howitzers and, and, and three or four of his support units, you know, all his stuff that he needed to, to um, have ranged effect on me. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there looking at seven 12-man infantry squads on his, you know, had just come in behind all his support units and went, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you know he would be able to bring on his squads right but he only had like four infantry squads and i had seven so he would bring one on and then i could turn two on that and just kind of mob it um and take it out so you know it was just one of those sort of games where i just with the inexperience you know having seven squads it's an infantry game you know if you've just always got that extra squad Mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna get up in, in the most case, because an extra squad means an extra pin, and even if it's only doing one or two casualties, it makes a difference when you can throw so many at them. And there were times during the event where I may have three squads, three 12-man squads facing one unit of eight. Like, it's there's only one outcome from that. Um, so I was able to kind of, like, you know, swarm, if you like. And um, surprisingly, Brad, I think you know this, but not many people probably get this that a large 12-man inexperienced squad is hard to take out in a turn oh man I, I do know really it i just played an army with three of them <laughs> yeah so you kind of have to either dedicate multiple units yes per turn or it's going to take you two or three turns to take it out it's hard, um yeah. and and so i would throw a big big squad in front of something like a stewart tank I'll just go, here you go, like deal with it. It's yeah, going to take I'm... you a turn or two. And, and you know, whilst you're concentrating on that weak and experienced squad, you're not you're not focusing on another scoring, you're not holding an objective or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that was, that was something that I found pretty interesting. So, look, anyway, over the course of the event, um, I, I did win, you know, four games um, pretty well. And the last game against Steve Drew was against French, and and it did mm-hmm. come up to a draw, and and it was the most fitting and appropriate way to finish the event to have a draw with a, mm-hmm. with another Frenchman, um, and and look, I just had a fantastic event, mate. I think I opened a few people's eyes up to the horde style of listing, mm-hmm. um, and and what's available. So, you know, there might be a few people coming back with that, and Brad, I will take a a you know a few horde armies every day of the week if it's if it shows that if people are bringing if you could turn up to a vent and you've got a couple of players bringing hordes a couple of players being vet, vet late war armies a couple mm-hmm. of you know regular forces because that's what the game's about you'd want to face in an event five different forces right agreed now hold on i i, I want to get controversial with you for a, a couple of minutes i want to because i i hear i hear the internet in the background i hear mm. i hear people crying at me and i want to allay some of these i want to talk through some of these points so um just to talk through the event itself cancon was a five game 1000 point event so patch took seven 12 man inexperienced squads in a 1000 point list that is really betting big on that now you might think 
oh, well, that's, of course, he did really well. He was running lots of squads that were harder to get rid of because, um, they, you know, because of what he was, Patch was literally talking about. Um, and, of course, that's going to do well in objective grabs. Well, it can. Um, bolt action does happen, and pins definitely can really hurt um, inexperienced mm-hmm. squads. But CanCon is not one of those events where uh, the mission is attached to the table. It is a cleverly run event where it, it, it players know what the missions are generally in advance, and they know they're spread yep. across um, objective-grabbing missions and missions where the object is to eliminate enemy units. Now, yes. you might think, well, Patch had an obvious advantage in um, objective-grabbing missions um, because he had a lot of units. Well, he did. Uh, but a lot of those missions weren't moving up. Um, One-man tank rule is on the FT-17s. And yes. um, two of the th- five missions, I believe, were ones where kill points counted against you. Um, and so, yes. yes, three out of those five um, were objective grabbing, and those may have benefited Patch's list. But listen to what Patch was saying before. He was trying to buck a meta of small veteran armies with maybe, you know, highly efficiently pointed tanks did he do well with an army that was entirely inexperienced other than the two snipers which had to be regular now now there's other people in the background saying oh but two snipers is cheesy well let's look at this the hard, uh, in the olden days cancod had a hard cap of five he dice and if you had five he dice you um you know, that was, I guess, kind of normal at the time. But if you took six, that was not allowed because you started to get cheesy. Yep. Patran four. Um, this mm-hmm. is hardly, yes. Oh, but he had the officer ordering a battery of howitzers. Yes. Now, little templates. It's a small howitzer. Um, I don't think, look, I know that multiple snipers is a strong choice. Um, it definitely gives you a lot of great options tactically. But I don't think in your list, I don't think it was I don't think it was cheesy at all. I think the, your use of officer was you played the meta. How many points did you pay for a captain? So so he alone as an inexperienced captain was a hundred points. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so I put in two hundred points worth of officers and they were all like exceptionally vulnerable. Yeah. You know, they were inexperienced and, and I don't believe at all for a second that you know, taking an inexperienced um, officer was cheesy when you've got an inexper- they're leading an inexperienced force. So totally. I think that was perfectly acceptable. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I don't think at all, mate, that my, you know, HE, my use of HE could be classified as, you know, OP at all because it, it, it is only light howitzers and they are inexperienced. Mm-hmm. So they're exceptionally easy to take off the table. Um, and... and you know, when they hit, like they still got to, they still got to do damage. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, but you know, you, I could have taken a lot more. A lot of lists would have, say, two medium howitzers. Yeah. Um, I would, I would suggest that a three light ones are more effective. But um, yeah, the, the sniper issue, sure. Again, I didn't have an option. I needed them to protect the officers. Yeah. Um, and you and they also, had to be regular. You were running two FT-17s. Um, yes, thirty-five point tankettes with machine guns that really effectively because they're inexperienced aren't gonna move oh, it fire. they were they were regular oh they, they were, were regular. regular but still so that was even a at a, regular yeah they still have the one-man turret rule 
That's correct. Yeah, yeah, and and they still are exceptionally slow, um, so they can only ever move six inches, even on a road. You know, so yeah. they're not exactly going to project, you know, their firepower uh, into your own territory. They're they're basically two bunkers that you kind of sit there and go, well, I'm not going to move them because if I fail my one man turret test, they just sit there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they kind of just uh, they they perform the role of an armored MMG. Uh, and they're great for their points. They're probably the best best pointed tank in the entire game. Um, but yeah, look, it, people can people can get upset with my list. But again, Brad, you know the list that I drew against it had fourteen dice. Yeah. You know, it was a regular, mostly regular type of force with um, that, and and we were um, evenly matched. And and the mm-hmm. ones that I did really well against were the veteran the veteran forces, which the list was designed to. Um, designed to compete directly against and, and to exactly. negate their advantages. So I don't make any um, apologies for it. I, I certainly don't think in the context of what we're seeing around the world that it would be classified as cheesy whatsoever. Hell no. But no, I'm sure yeah. someone would. Um, yeah. Well, someone. again, I, I was just sort of, I was throwing out the, the, I guess the devil's advocate, like what people might mm-hmm. say. But I, I mean, and I have an overly inflated sense of justice when it comes to naughty quote-unquote you know naughty or aggressive or hard or cheesy or whatever word you want to use list um yeah. i'm notorious for having one and i look at your list and go nope i like that list there's synergy yeah. in there it's cleverly yeah. put together yes there's redundancy but not uh, i'm taking two of everything um to have two of the thing no it's it's redundancy because of theme not mm. the other way around. And I I think may part of that on your behalf may have been some mechanical, but I know that you were also going for a theme first and then you made the mechanics of the list work. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and, you know, it just, and, and I guess to put it also into context, that's the first time I've ever podiumed mm-hmm. in, in playing bold action for five years. I'm not, I'm not a very good player normally, you know, I, I don't, generally go well i might go top half of the field but and you know how many events i've attended in the last five years and and to yeah to to never podium Mm -hmm. um was difficult i guess but and then this event you know i practiced with this list i thought about this list and and i really wanted to buck the meta and i did and it did well um and i hope that i hope that maybe i've influenced a few people to to do it and and to try different things so i know we're we're starting to see these you know some of these lists popping up and we can argue brad that what some bloke takes to the LVO in in the US mm-hmm. has no effect on me here in in Canberra and Australia. It doesn't. So what some blokes take to the takes to the Warlord GT has no influence on me. Um, unfortunately, because of the age that we live in, mm-hmm. the internet age, it does. You know, we we can talk about it. it does right because people sit there at work or at home and they netlist. They, they sit there going, oh, they, they're they so interested to find out what, what army list is doing well at the moment. And that could be a big influence. And I see that in the 40K and the Kings of War environment. Everyone wants to know what list won because they want to mirror image that and they want to run it themselves because they think, oh, that's the current meta. Unfortunately, what we're seeing in some of these other places, in my opinion, is, is shit listing. Um, is that people are taking really powerful uh lists yeah. that are that are that are um there's no nothing for it they know it they absolutely know what they're doing and and they probably make no apologies for it but they're um 
escalating an arms race, and yeah. people see that. If you want to take three M3 Stuarts in your list, you know, with with all the machine guns, um, it, it's just it's just that's what it is. You, you're going to see someone taking a harder list to counter that. Um, you're going to see four snipers, four howitzers. You're going to see all these units coming in, which are um, just I don't believe good for the game at all. Yeah. Um, you, you end up ostracizing a large proportion because bolt action is not 40k. It is a mix and a, and a, a real mix between your casual gamers, your historical gamers, and, and it takes all those types of people to merge together to create a community. Um, and what I see is what I see is that you know we as as community influencing type people have got to maintain a middle ground, and when when it starts to go either way. You know, it, it's a cause for concern. So if all of a sudden, I'd feel the same. If all of a sudden, you know, some very influential people started just running completely historical lists with, you know, down to the individual soldier's name and, and you weren't allowed to take anything that wasn't completely historical, like that would be as bad as what people start doing it and just taking units only for their efficiencies. Yeah. So I think you know trying to maintain a middle ground is really important. I, I think I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, as I talked about on the last episode, I I am famous for being grumpy with people when I I don't agree with what they've been doing listing wise. Um, but that is a very self centered point of view. Um, and I know there's more than one way to have fun playing the game. Um, Dave of War is on uh, who was on the original LRDG podcast with me for years. Um, played bolt action competitively quote unquote uh for 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 quite a long time um and he was unapologetic about his lists um he said this is how i have fun and this is how i want to play um and his lists were generally historical but he would be like no i want to take that efficient thing um and he liked doing that but Bolt actions, I think he got frustrated. One of the things he got frustrated with the game was um, the fact that you you could play bolt action and do quite well with a list that is just built to, you know, you know how to play your list. You play it in the mission, and it isn't a kick-your-teeth-in list. You can win with that, um, or you can be stopped to win. Um, it's, it's Bolt action's a game where you can create draw situations, um if you do run into something like that and i guess oh, i don't know i i just i don't want to see um situations where you know some of these big events start influencing the meta around the world and we just start to see the same sameness of what are the most efficient units what are the the best combinations how are we going to maximize those um to mm. maximum effect um, because a that 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 really reduces the variability. Uh, and bolt action has so much great history and so much great variety within the books. I mean, think about how few pages bolt action takes up as a collective. And I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and there's a wall of books. But compare that to like a 40k, um, where there are thousands more pages, and then think how much more variety you actually see on a bolt action tabletop at the moment than you would in 40k now the new 40k yes is more you see more variety and i hear people yelling at me in the background but 
that hasn't been the case for a really long time. Um, Bolt Action has done that from day dot, that you get some great variety, and I would hate to see that go away. Um, yes. I would like to see Bolt Action um, maintain its sort of interesting, um, I don't know, status as, yes, it's a game that can be played competitively, but it's also a game that can be played for fun. Um, and there's just so much great content in the books that Warlord's coming out that I just want to yeah. keep saying, oh, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, the, I guess I'm kind of rambling. Go ahead, please. Mate, the, the feedback I, I get a lot, and, and we see a lot with our events here, and, and I, again, I can't speak to what's happening overseas, but what I see is so many people who come into this community, a lot of the time they're refugees from other systems, whether it be Flames of War yeah. or from 40K or something, and they always just go, gee, this community is so relaxed. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have that competitive edge where, you know, there's a lot of the opponents pointing stuff out to people and going, Oh mate, I think you're doing yourself in there. Like, you know, move an extra two inches or, or, you know, they're helping each other out and they're, and they're very good like that. Whereas, and it's a, it's a community in a scene that, that isn't so uptight, like, um, and it doesn't have that drive for competitiveness that a lot of other scenes do. And we want to keep it that way. Like we don't want bold action just to be another 40K. And I don't go down on 40K. I keep tabs on the community. I paint armies, mm-hmm. you know, but I see it every day that the, the scene of the, the 40K is just so toxic at times in regards to, oh, so OP. So, I, you know, oh, my poor, my poor, whatever army is the poor army at this time is mm-hmm. shit it needs a new codex it's been eight minutes since a codex come out where's my faq you know and i'm like oh gee this community just makes me depressed like it's not a happy community yeah. um and and you know it's it's i don't want uh i would not like to see 40 uh bolt action sort of become like that where everything is about you know how powerful units are and how you know, uh, who, what the latest meta is and who won the LVO because we're all going to mirror that list. I, I just don't want it to be like that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do. Yeah. I do have two points to that. One um, is I want to talk about what happened at the LVO. And one thing that I'm mm-hmm. glad that happened um, that didn't happen or doesn't seem to happen in bolt action. Um, now, there was an event that happened at this year's 40K at the Las Vegas, yeah. Las Vegas opening. Open, sorry which is the quote-unquote the big show of 40K, you know, the big high-stakes, high-prestige event, um, where in one of the final tables, two players were playing, and, um, sorry, the top tables, and one player helped another player measure and deploy his deep-striking unit, um, but did so knowing that his opponent was doing it out of sync with the turn so that after they deep struck the unit, the unit you know teleported in and then he went to move his other units. The guy who had been helping the guy a second ago said, no, 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 can't move any of your units. You finished movement because that was the last thing you should have done. And the guy was like, really? You just, you just, you know, we just had this big, long conversation about where to put my unit. You measured it with me. You helped me go through this whole thing. And the guy went, yep, nope, can't move. And I went, okay, fine. That's how it is. Um, didn't even really apparently raise an eyebrow. Just went, okay, fine. That's how it is. Um, and then apparently there was a comeuppance in the next game where the guy the, the guy who had said nope and kind of screwed his opponent um, got something out of sync. And his opponent went, you know what, normally I wouldn't make a big deal of this, but we saw what you did to the other guy, so no, you can't. 
And then that that guy, you know, called judges over and kicked up a stink. And and it was just an ugly, toxic environment. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I said, um, like, Masters events. So I played in Masters events for multiple game systems, and I've never had a good time. Um, some of them are good, um, but sometimes you just end up with people who have just that white line fever, gotta win, gotta win, gotta win. I don't care if my opponent has a good game. And I just, I'm not interested in that. Um, I want to have fun, and I want my opponent to have fun. So It's a game. Just, just yeah. as an example, Brad, I just wanted to point something out. Um, I took my five-year-old son on the second day and, and ran. There you go. Um, he, he helped me out and, and was sort of there by my side for... Um, you know the penultimate game and then the top table <laughs> and he would he yeah. was there rolling dice mm-hmm. he was you know how much how serious can i take it when i've got my son next to me you yeah. know um wanting to roll dice and the opponent was like yeah let him roll some dice he was on fire you know all of a sudden all of a sudden we're playing along and 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 out pops you know superman and and the hulk on the left hand side of the table and i've just turned to my opponent and said i'm sorry mate my flankers have just come on <laughs> right on or i win or yeah. i win yeah that's it <laughs> but but you know like that's how serious we're taking it and yeah. they my opponents were so good about it they were you know we had yeah. such a good time i had some of the best games i ever had it was it was a lot of fun and, and that's what we want to walk away from when exactly. we're at the top table of the event and we're having this sort of a laughing joking fun type of of thing you know you've you're feeling pretty good about the about the event it is and i mean it doesn't always have to be necessarily a joke because i know some people like to take their war dolly seriously my game against lee avery um on the weekend yeah we're having a good time yeah we cracked a few jokes but it was we were, I mean, he wanted a, a serious practice game, and I brought my game face, and we played a serious game, and it was one of the best games of bolt action I have played in in years. And the game I played right after it was with Muddy with Pat um, was likewise was a fantastic game. No humor in that game, very straightforward, but the, both those boys, you know, wanted to make sure they were ready to rock and roll for CanCon, and man, they were. Um, and but mm. just tactically. The way we thought about it and the way we talked about it during the game, it just made for a really engaging environment. But at no point did I feel like I was in this high stress, awful situation. It was it was it was great. And that's the kind of that's the kind of game that I want to keep playing. Yeah, same, same. But I, um, you know, so I guess we probably should wrap it up soon, mate. Yeah, no, we should. But but I, I, um, I just wanted to say now that I've ran that list. I'll put that to bed now. Like yeah. I've done that. Yes. And, and I won't, I won't run that list again in its current form. Um, I'll more than likely, you know, I've got an Australian force and what I'll probably run with my Australian force is I, you know, coming up with a concept strain in the Pacific, a long range jungle patrol. I'll nice. have, you know, multiple squads of, of New Guinea, um, regiment guys, New Guinea battalion with, with some commandos and zero vehicles, um, and I'll run probably two mortars. I won't have howitzers, mm-hmm. um, and they'll be a, a a bit of a you know hanging themselves out there. But they'll be an elite smaller force of um, with limited support, and and that'll be a completely different type of list. Yeah, it'll um, be a so new challenge. It'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward just to learning how to play that. Um, and again, you can you can sort of. Um, work out from there it's it's a complete yeah opposite so it's probably going to going to have eight or nine dice <laughs> yeah. um, and let's see how i go with that yeah you know? 
No, it's, it's something different and new. Yeah, and I'm glad I I'm a one who likes to play a different army every time. Um, yeah. And part of that has caused me at the moment to be like, oh, I'm painting literally four armies at once. Um, but it's it's so it's so good with bolt action be, to be able to go, okay, I'm going to try this. Oh, but this list is very similar. Even if you're staying with literally the same infantry force and you're just switching out vehicles or switching out your small teams and switching out maybe the veterancy of some of your squads, you can really profoundly change the way you play a list. And it yeah. it, it really keeps the game fresh and interesting. Um, I really challenge people, if you are feeling a little stagnant with your list or the bolt action in general, Try changing the veterancy of the forces you already have. Um, mm. Try something different. I guarantee you will have a different game, um, and you will need to come up with a new way. And if you start losing with that force, really challenge yourself to think about how you can change the way you play that army to, to fit its new character. And um, that challenge always keeps me interested as a player, um, and I just love it. And I know you're yeah, the same way. it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yep, absolutely. I, I, I'm looking forward to you know the, the the community and the playing of the games over the next twelve months. Amen. Um, you know, looking forward, it's it's we've definitely got the foundation here in Australia, and mm-hmm. you know, gee, it just gets. I mean, it just keeps getting stronger, mate. Sixty players is a big deal for this for this game, um, and and you know, everyone's super keen. As I said, everyone's still planning for next CanCon, and in between that, we've got WinnerCon and Moab. So. Um, it's nothing but good things uh, going forward from here. Now, I do want to touch on one little thing because it's okay. something that you kind of t- hinted at, and I think I did as well, so I'm not throwing, again, not pointing fingers. And I know it's something that comes up um, occasionally in conversation when playing with games, but there's the the, the notion that maybe 40K players um, are sometimes bad. Um, now, I, I know that's uh, not what you not said. I know that's not what you said, but I know that some people do say that. And I have been with this game since day dot. I, I bought in, um, I pre-ordered the game when it, I got it as quickly as I could. And man, I've been playing it religiously ever since, um, e- either as Conflict 47 or as Bolt Action. And I'm not alone. And that's not to say that I'm something special. Tons of people bought into this game right away when it came out. And they've been playing forever. Um, and all of the people who I play with at the moment in Melbourne... Every single one of them, including myself, came from a Warhammer background, be it 40K, yeah. be it fantasy. And every single one of them are to a man, or I, I guess they're all dudes, um, are to a man just fantastically fun, interesting players. No one's going to kick your teeth in. No one's going to make you feel bad about your game. Every single no. one of them has a beautiful army. Every single one of them has interesting units and, and mixes things up and makes things fun. Um, and so the notion that, oh, 40K players are bad. And I know that's not what you uh, were saying. but Yeah, it, I could clarify and, yeah. and sort of, you know, um, just to, to clarify that mm. point. Not for a second do I think, you know, the players and, and every game right. I've played, every, you know, um, every sort of, you know, interaction i've had in in a personal manner has been just fantastic you know and supportive i guess what i refer to in that is the online community yeah you know definitely. 
the the feel of the community like you yeah. know i've got the the warhammer 40,000 um facebook page you know and it pops up and, and an example is every time they make a really positive message about something the first hundred comments are negative you know, and you kind of go oh gee yeah. why are we so upset gentlemen and then you know that the the groups are inevitably you know really kind of toxic where people just start slanging at each other about crap and you know there's a few really good mm -hmm. um amazing groups like the independent characters are fantastic mm -hmm. you know a couple of guys you know groups where they where it's really about a positive environment for people to right. to hang out in but there's other other areas and like i said mate it's uh, it's a toxicity toxicity toxic level to which i'm not accustomed to yeah, um and and everyone, you know, obviously they do it, but like I said, you know, just the inevitable um, depressing conversations mm -hmm. consistently repeated about this army's OP, they, they've forgotten about my codex, you know, this rule is crap, this, you know, it, it kind of gets a bit much for me. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I, I'm not active in that community. I, yeah. I don't feel like I could I could deal with it, whereas I feel, you know, the Bold Action community, particularly the, the Bold Action Australia page, mm -hmm. which I'm an admin of, we police that much better um yeah. and we don't have that it's it's a nice positive environment mate you know what i do for a living i don't want to have to come home yeah, exactly. in, in my spare time and deal with conflict like me neither yeah amen why would i want to do that yeah. why would i want to continue <laughs> you know yeah. it's just not something that i want to be involved yeah. in but um i, I please I, I just want to make it very clear i'm not not having a go at individual people and interactions yeah. that i've had with the 40k guys and it's just more around the, the general feel about the online community um, and I apologize if I don't oh, offend no, anyone. I, I, you just that. reminded me that I know that that isn't what you were saying. You were reminding me of someone who had said that, and I wanted to address that because no. I was talking about it with a couple of my 40K, now bolt-action friends, um, and went, oh, yeah. Uh, I met these guys at 40K events 11 years ago, 12 years ago, whenever um, I moved to Melbourne, God, 13 years ago, 14, I, whatever. And mm. they were wonderful then, and they're wonderful now. And you just go, yeah. Um, hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, it is always a pleasure to have Patch on. Patch, thank you so much for coming on. It is awesome having you. No, no worries, man. I kind of feel like I, uh, I, I was a bit, um, bit different to what I would normally be uh, on the Ghost Army podcast. That's all right. <laughs> Had you on, man. Got you the soapbox, dusted it off. I yeah. Actually, I just left uh, the soapbox off from last week, and you just stepped right on it, and we were good, man. Yeah kind of a bit loose on this one so it's all right. really i'm a nice person in, in in you know in real life i like to think so anyway now patch you are <laughs> you are one and i'm not just blowing you know blowing smoke you are a wonderful human being and you know we have you on um you 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 played some stuff you wanted to have a conversation about some things and we did and it was great so thank you very much for coming on awesome, man. Um, hey, gang, um, I, I have had a few people asking, um, hey, are you going to cover the new market, market Garden book? Uh, I guess I probably will. Um, I would love to. Um, the Call to Battle podcast, our good friend Gaz has a podcast that is now a couple episodes in. I think they're on episode three. Uh, I've been listening. I love it. Um, they've been talking about um, the Market Garden book and, of course, Snafu, the American podcast. They've already done their episode as well. Um, where these guys are getting their books is another subject. If I could get the same book, I would be doing it now as well. Um, <laughs> so they've already done it. So uh, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, I will be talking paratroopers and I will be talking British paratroopers with Lee Avery uh, in the near future uh, on an episode of Cast Dice. 
I cannot wait to talk about that. Um, there's even hopefully going to be some Italian paratroopers and uh, some Italian special forces discussions in another episode of Cast Ice. That might be a little bit further down the line. Um, we just need to line up the guests, which, you know, time frames are sometimes mm. problematic. But please look forward to um, some discussion, at least, of the Market Garden book. And I will be speaking on the next episode with the one and only Andy Hobday. Uh, and we are going to be talking Gangs of Rome. And I'm going to try and twist his arm a little bit mm. on Test of Honor as well. So there's going to be a lot of great stuff. And that just reminds me of something that Patch was quickly talking about with social media groups. I think it has to do with Warlord games in general because I'm a member of the Test of Honor group. I'm a member of the Gangs of War, uh, Rome bo- uh, group multiple bolt action groups, Conflict 47 groups, multiple ones, and just the community on all of the pages is fantastic. And people are always helping each other out. And the conversation's amazing. I know that sometimes people get hung up about, you know, a forum and this sort of thing. I don't know if forums are a a good forum for conversation these days, but Facebook seems to breed some really nice conversation um, for these games, and I'm loving it. So, gang, if you're not, if you are interested in any of these games, Look online for the communities um, attached to them. They they tend to be excellent. And if there's one that you're not digging, I know there's some X-Wing stuff that I don't go near with, you know, at all because I don't play competitively and it doesn't appeal to me the way that people maybe communicate with one another. But there are other groups and other podcasts that do. So keep looking because there there's a community for all of us and it's awesome. And that's just part of the wonder that is gaming today. Anyway... Thank you very much for joining us on Cast Dice. As I said, Gangs of Rome coming up in the next episode. And until next time, may your dice roll hot, may your beverage be cold, and may your luck be abundant. This is Cast Dice saying good night. Tim.